Welcome to the Press On Podcast. Expect to be inspired, challenged, and strengthened. In this episode, we'll hear from John Popel on Wings of Shelter, Ruth's story. What I find most inspiring about Ruth is how powerfully she transforms her social and spiritual standing with her own living faith. She begins at the rock bottom of both ladders. Socially, she is an immigrant widow from the despised nation of Moab, and spiritually, she has no knowledge of Israel's God. In both cases, she's in a helpless state, the stereotypical damsel in distress, and in need of a man of God to help her, teach her, and redeem her. By the grace of God, she finds just a man in Boaz. But where this may have been the end of an ordinary widow's tale, this is just the beginning for Ruth. Having once been the defenseless damsel helped to her feet by the shining knight Boaz, she immediately dons the knight's gleaming armor herself. She uses her own faith and resources to redeem her mother-in-law, Naomi, and even redeem the precedental widow of scripture, Tamar. Her contribution to the glittering achievements of the leading ladies is a shining icon of the power of godliness, altruism, and friendship to create a God-focused life from existence that teetered on the precipice of disaster. Ruth's story is very much a tale of two halves. From the ashes of famine, bereavement, and despair in Moab arises a tale of compassion, cooperation, and caring for others in Israel. Ruth's story is told as a chiasm, a literary mechanism which is employed to highlight the centerpiece element as the pinnacle of the story, which is Ruth's choice to follow Israel's God. The nine elements of Ruth's story are Naomi leaves Israel for Moab, there's a scene of famine and mourning, Ruth is bereaved of her husband, Naomi directs Ruth to Moab, the central element is the spiritual union of Ruth and God. Then Ruth comes to Israel, specifically Bethlehem. Ruth gains a husband. There's a scene of joy and plenty. And the king of Jerusalem is born. There are four pairs of opposite events, sandwiching the single central feature of Ruth's chosen dedication to the God of Israel. With every first half component being disastrous, and every second half component being joyfully positive. Overall, the Book of Ruth has two storylines, one where Boaz redeems Ruth, enclosed by one where Ruth redeems Naomi and Tamar. The epilogue, chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, despite its anodyne appearance, is the triumphant declaration of Ruth's redemption of the Bible's original widow, Tamar. This is Ruth's crowning achievement, spanning centuries, cleverly encoding Ruth's finest hour. This is why Ruth's story is so powerful. It's a meteoric rise from needy to needed, fueled by the rockets of her burgeoning faith. Under your wings. As we first meet Ruth, her circumstances could barely be more desperate. She is a widow. She is an immigrant. Worse yet, she's an immigrant from Moab, a country Israel despises. See Deuteronomy 23, verse 3. Even during an era when the two countries were at war, we begin with a critical scene. Quote, and when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then Ruth came softly 
and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. It's Ruth chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Midnight, the threshing floor, and Boaz is fast asleep. Ruth creeps up, uncovers his feet, and lies down by him. When he's startled awake in the night, he's understandably shocked to find Ruth lying there. What is she doing? This is no random action. It's been planned by Naomi with the purpose of finding Ruth a husband and a home. Naomi intends to invoke the law of leveret marriage, see Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10, where a man is prompted by good conscience to marry a relative's widow in order to provide for her. Boaz challenges Ruth. Who are you? In the pitch dark of the threshing floor, he can't recognize her. Quote, I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. Chapter 3, verse 9. Ruth requests covering from the corner of Boaz's garment that she'd folded back from him. The clause clumsily rendered corner of your garment is a single Hebrew word, kanaf, meaning wing. This is essential to understand. The entire spiritual thrust of Ruth's story hinges on this critical detail. Some English translations such as the ESV or the New King James, perceive this and translate Ruth's comment very appropriately, spread your wings over me. This more emotive translation better conveys the true meaning. Boaz is related to Ruth's deceased husband Marlon, and so is a designated kingsman redeemer who can spread wings of protection over her. The symbol of the garment's wing has meaning in biblical culture, God announces his betrothal to Israel with this same metaphor. Quote, When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Ezekiel 16, verse 8. Boaz, the widow's redeemer. There's even more wordplay here. It's lost in translation, but there's an attractive contrast between the Hebrew word for uncovered, which is galah, and kinsman redeemer, ga'al, with the latter essentially meaning coverer. Ruth creeps up to Boaz to uncover him, galah, and then requests he cover her, ga'al. We understand the functional point of this, the request for marriage protection, but there's much more power in this metaphor. Ruth uncovers Boaz, and he lies on the threshing floor with his feet exposed. Academics commonly claim a sexual illusion between the feet and the genitals, but these arguments don't withstand analysis, ending merely as incongruously crass. This interplay is not a seduction, despite the claims of Athalia Brenner and others, and Tikva Frymakinsky explains that the Hebrew constructs aren't correct for an uncovering of sexual organs. Ruth's actions reveal simple, emotional and social truths. By uncovering Boaz while he sleeps, he will get cold. He's exposed, vulnerable to the elements. Ruth is inviting Boaz to consider her circumstances. She has no social covering. She's a widow and an immigrant from hated Moab. When Boaz awakens, doubtless with cold feet, he will realize how much he appreciates his coverings, the wings of his robe. 
the wings Ruth doesn't have. There is a deeper level to this as well. Ruth is giving a spiritually coded reply to a comment Boaz made to her a couple of months earlier, at an earlier harvest. Boaz had said, quote, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Boaz told Ruth he understood she had come to take shelter under the wings of Israel's God. He isn't just using an attractive metaphor to describe God's protection either. He is referencing a specific set of wings. This is a spiritually intelligent comment. Boaz is referencing the Ark of the Covenant. And being beneath the wings has great meaning. Quote, And you shall make two cherubim of gold on the two ends of the mercy seat. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings. Exodus 25, verses 18 and 20. The wings of the cherubim on the ark overshadow the area which represents God's mercy. It's a clever metaphor by Boaz and has dual purpose. It allows Boaz to communicate what is closest to his heart, his understanding of God's protection. And it also acts as a filter, determining whether Ruth recognizes the metaphor he's invoked or not. Brilliantly, Ruth does recognize Boaz's coded message, and she responds in the same metaphor. Perhaps you can cover me with your wings? This reply is coded with the same special meaning, which Boaz sees, and being sufficiently moved by her deeper message, he replies, quote, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. This merits careful analysis. Boaz says there's been two kindnesses. Primakensky believes the two kindnesses are Ruth returning to Israel with Naomi, and then Ruth considering Boaz as a life partner. But I think Boaz is commenting more personally, that he sees two kindnesses from Ruth to him. The first is that Ruth doesn't run after the younger men, i.e. she doesn't exclude Boaz from consideration as her husband. The second kindness is what she's just said. Boaz has said, I see you have come to take shelter under the wings of the God of Israel. And Ruth has replied, maybe I can find shelter under your wings. Boaz sees that Ruth is saying, I can shelter under God's wings if I can shelter under yours, which means you reflect the image of your God. Boaz couldn't be better praised or happier and he knows it. Ruth has learned the symbols and patterns by which God operates, which enabled their articulate and elegant courting. Boaz is now delighted to redeem Ruth. He will provide for her and Naomi the protection they desperately need. And Boaz's moral sense of care toward the outsider was very likely learned at his mother's knee. His mother is none other than leading Lady Rahab, whose life story modeled the value of the godly stranger to Israel. Boaz will resurrect the fallen Marlon at his own expense, yet he will gain enormously himself as he unites with a spiritually powerful leading lady of his own. The powerful imagery of the wings of shelter is only just begun. From here it takes off through an entire range of Old Testament and New Testament scriptures, 
even helping to explain verses that, without understanding this metaphor, remain impenetrably obscure. We explore these spiritually deeper veins of treasure in the bonus material on the website. Ruth the Widow's Redeemer Boaz has redeemed Ruth the Widow. Ruth is the redeemed of Boaz, yet rather than rest in her newfound state of safety, she presses forward to become the redeemer of Naomi, which story begins earlier at the start of the book. Naomi, crushed by the despair of losing her husband and both sons, loses grasp of her faith, interpreting her circumstances as a direct assault upon her by God. Quote, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Luke chapter 1 verse 13. Worse yet, even though Naomi is aware that the living God is in Israel, she advises Ruth not to accompany her into Israel, but go back to her people in Moab. Quote, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Chapter 1, verse 15. This is a spiritual nadir for Naomi, to turn people away from the living God, especially those whom she genuinely loves, is the worst thing she can do. It's only a good idea to return to Moab if there is no God, and so it's only atheist academics who praise her advice. In reality, it's a disastrous recommendation, but Naomi is experiencing maximum distress and trauma and feels hopeless in her despair. Bible characters are real people, not caricatures, and we must understand them as such. Naomi's life was so profoundly destroyed in Moab that when she re-enters Israel, she is unrecognizable to those who knew her. It is perhaps out of her deep embarrassment, as much as despair, that she wants her name Naomi, meaning sweet, to be replaced with Mara, meaning bitter. She is struggling in faith and life. Enter Ruth in the role of Elijah, the man of God. Quote, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. It's Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Just like presidential Elijah, Ruth takes on the name, My God is Yah, claiming Israel's God is hers. In fairness, Ruth's first loyalty seems to be to Naomi, but the result is the same. Most expositors obsess over the degree to which Ruth dedicates herself to Naomi, some saying one would be nothing without the other, some even claiming that this proves Ruth and Naomi had a lesbian relationship, which derails the story entirely, and would render Boaz's role bizarre. We focus on the central theological fact that, Beyond even the steel bond of faithful friendship, Ruth, whose name means friendship, has forged with Naomi. Ruth has chosen Israel's God. This is her victory. My God is Yah, says Ruth, naming herself Elijah, and as such, she is the one who comes first to prepare God's salvation. See Malachi 4 verse 5. The salvation Ruth enables strikes soon enough. Naomi's motivation for life is rekindled. Naomi is transformed to see God once again as a source of blessing, not persecution, Ruth chapter 3, verse 20, and is now motivated to work alongside the leading lady. She draws on her more extensive life experience 
and superior knowledge of Israeli customs to plan excitedly for Ruth's betrothal, and thereby their joint survival, designing the choreography at the threshing floor where this case study began. Vitally, Ruth is the redeemer here. The biblical record stresses this by recording an unusual detail, that when Ruth's son is born, Naomi cares for the child so completely that the women of the town lovingly declare the child as Naomi's. Quote, Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse, and the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. Chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. This tiny detail has huge spiritual importance. The child is Naomi's, metaphorically, yet was birthed by Ruth. Thus, Ruth has provided the widow Naomi with a son. This is the hallmark of the Redeemer, the mark of Elijah. Now Ruth the widow is also Ruth the Redeemer. And there's more. Ruth the Redeemer performs even greater work than this, as recorded in the seemingly anticlimactic ending of the book, The Genealogy from Perez. Quote, this, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. Through 4, verses 18 to 22. A dreary ending, or so it appears, and also a strange one, because Ruth's life with Boaz is neither at the beginning of the list nor the end. Why start the lineage with Perez? Richard Balcom sees no reason for starting there beyond, quote, giving Boaz the honoured seventh position, end quote. This misses the magnificent point. This is the long-awaited redemption of Tamar. The focus on Tamar is introduced by the clue of the town elder's comment, quote, May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. Ruth 4 verse 12. Tamar is the precedental widow who remained abandoned and unredeemed by the failures of the inadequate men in her life. Tamar's fate for birthing a child by prostitution was to be banned from the Lord's assembly for ten generations. Deuteronomy 23, verse 2. What's listed at the end of the book of Ruth is the ten-generation restoration of Tamar, a powerful climax. Let's read it again, counting the generations. This, then, is the family line of Perez, generation 1. Perez, the father of Hezron, 2. Hezron, the father of Ram, 3. Ram, the father of Aminadab, 4. Aminadab, the father of Nashon, 5. Nashon, the father of Salmon, six. Salmon, the father of Boaz, seven. Boaz, the father of Obed, eight. Obed, the father of Jesse, nine. And Jesse, the father of David, generation number ten. Boaz had been considered culturally too old to marry, so the lineage would have died with him, if not for Ruth's kindness in not discounting him. Ruth provides the continuity to allow Tamar's line to proceed to her redemption at the tenth generation, King David, the man after God's own heart. Ruth, metaphorically, births King David, providing a son to redeem Tamar, 
the original widow of the Bible. Ruth's child also prevents Tamar's line from extinguishing before the tenth generation, at which time she had readmitted to Israel's congregation, from which Judah's sin had caused the law to exclude her. There's one more vital thing to see. Redemption is the process of being lifted up from diminished circumstances to a fuller life. Redemption is thereby connected to resurrection, the former being a shadow of the latter. To be resurrected is to be elevated from the most minimal existence possible, death, to life. Resurrection to immortality, therefore, as promised on the day of the Lord's return, is the greatest redemption of all. And concerning that day, we are told this, quote, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Malachi 4 verse 5. Before resurrection, Elijah must first appear as herald. For the widow of Zarephath, in the original case, it was the literal Elijah, which is why his name is given to the template. For Ruth, it was Boaz as Elijah. For both Naomi and Tamar, it was Ruth as Elijah. For the first coming of Messiah, it was John the Baptist as Elijah. See Matthew chapter 11, verses 10 through 14. And the final resurrection day is still to come. Jesus will be in God's role as the one who resurrects, and Elijah must come first, per the above quote. Who will be Elijah this time, preceding the messianic advent? It's simple. It's us. Our job is to testify my God is Yah, and assist and appeal for the widows of this world, both literal and spiritual, in faith that we will be heard, because God listens to the voice of Elijah. That's the quote from 1 Kings 17, verse 22. Ruth understood all this, and so must we. The pattern of widows and God's promise of resurrection via them has come full circle. Callous man does not care for the widow, but the man of God is empowered to redeem them. Nor are these men of God limited to the male gender. Elijah is precedent, and Boaz a worthy replica. Ruth, our leading lady, stands shoulder to shoulder alongside them.